And what we need to learn is to learn how to tap into the grace of God. Because God, there are things that He has freely given. Now, okay, I'm not going to dwell too much on what we call the common grace. Now, common grace is that grace that God has provided, that even an unbeliever, the rain falls in his yard also, as it falls on the believer's side. And the amen, it's a, the sun shines on the unbeliever as much as the sun shines on the believer's house. So, you know, there are some things that you see that are almost good to everyone. That We call that common grace. It has got nothing to do with salvation. Even if you are not saved, you might be surprised when you wake up in the morning when it's a snowy day, it will not be only snowy on the believer's house and yours will be dry. It will probably be snowy all over the show because of what we call common grace. But this one, I want to talk about the grace of God that changes the dynamic because we have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Okay, let's just go a, a bit of a, a repeat. How many can still remember? That's why I want to just go a, a revision of what we spoke about so that, you know, our minds get back to what we spoke about because I did make an introduction on the crossover night. So until then, I've not had an opportunity to be speaking about the grace of God. Right. Tell me, what did we speak about as the grace of God? Who remembers what it is all about? The grace of God. One, yes. Uh, sorry, Sister Divine. We talked about uh, unmerited favor. The unmerited favor of God. That's number one. What else did we speak about about the grace of God? Only one thing. The divine enablement of God. Yes. What else did we say was the, uh, the, the grace of God? The material blessing that God can endow upon his people for enabling them to be able to serve God better. Right? What else did we say he was to do it? Yes, it's Asia. Yes. Right. The grace that opens opportunities or doors for people. Right. What else? What else did we say was to do with the grace of God? I'm going to give you a rundown of what we are speaking about. We say the grace of God is what we call the unmerited favor of God. Uh, now, let's pick up the scripture first. Before we go into it, that's Acts chapter 4, from verse, uh, that's verse 33. But the whole text starts from 31 and 37. Acts chapter 4. And with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace rested richly upon them all. Um, do you have any scripture that displays it up there? Okay, if you don't have done for it, I'll just read it from the uh, Amplified Version where it says, and with great power. Notice that the word that they're talking about is with great power. And now verse 33. That's where we are. And with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that it was not just a witness of the resurrection, but with great power. They gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus 
and great grace was upon them all. I said that word grace is the one that we have the mega. That's the mega grace was upon the church. In other words, it was more than just the normal grace that people are used to. It was more than this grace that we see as we say the common grace. There was something about the presence of the grace of God upon the believers in the church at that time that it separated them from the rest of the group. So, and I say the word grace there, just for a, for recapping to help ourselves, uh, it has the connotation, the first thing we spoke about is that it is that pleasantness. It denotes that pleasantness, the charisma that it brings upon a believer, and it's a gracefulness, loveliness. Uh, it also brings, it speaks about graciousness, uh, the pleasant presence of joy within a person, or we call it graceful joy. Now we are talking about this pleasantness. That you, 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 didn't, you didn't work for it. It's not something that you spray on like a perfume and then you smell nice and people say, mm, I can smell it. No. It's something that God just endows upon you. And somebody that was quite very hard to deal with or receive, all of a sudden they become so pleasant. They become so favorable. They become so enjoyable to be around. You know, there are people that you just can't resist them. There's something about them that makes you want to be in their presence. That pleasantness, it comes also from this grace of God being upon your life. It's one of those things that are a, a testimony of my being in the presence of the Lord. The more I spend my time in the presence of God, the more this grace of God, which is the, like the, the infusion of the presence of God, begins to manifest in my life. To the degree that even some of the people that didn't like me, they somehow find a way to say, I don't know why I just like you. I was not supposed to like you, but I, I just find myself just liking you. Uh, and some of you have noticed that in your work environments, and there is that which makes people just like you. And, and, and don't, don't be deceived. Especially for some of us who are yet to be married and to get married. Sometimes you see all the people are just uh, nice around you because they can't figure out what makes you so nice. Yes. And uh, don't think about the new makeup. That, oh, maybe it's the new makeup that I got. Maybe the new makeup. But there's something to do with the presence of God. The grace of God that is making things pleasant in the environment. You know, you are like an aroma that is being diffused in the place. The Bible says, you know, in the book of John 2.52, when the Bible speaks about Jesus, right? And the Bible says, he grew in favor with God and with man. You know, there's a, there's a place where people actually just find it, you know, joyful to have you around. There are some people that uh, you just, once you get into their place or wherever they are, you're just praying, Lord, help me to live here quickly. <laughs> Please, Lord, let it not be long. <laughs> and then there are some people that are just, there's something about them that makes you very uncomfortable. But there are some places, even some homes. Oh, uh, not, not any of you guys, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, some homes I entered sometime when I was in Africa. <laughs> I mean, it becomes 
You, you just feel there's something heavy in this place, something that is like, they just wonder what is wrong in this place. If you've got a baby, you know babies can sense the evil spirits quickly than others. Here the baby is crying, screaming, and they wonder what is going on. And the baby can't just rest. Until you come out, even the baby sleeps. If you go in, even when they are fast asleep, all of a sudden they jump up. May the grace of God rest upon your life. May it rest upon your family. May that blessedness manifest not only when you are here in church, but even when you are wherever you are. May it make you somebody who is receivable wherever you are in Jesus' name. So it makes you graceful. Graciousness. The ability to, to be able to Bear with certain things and be able to function still with a smile. Sometimes the grace of God helps us uh, to be able to smile even when people don't expect us to smile. Hello? Uh, sometimes, you know, believers, be like security guards. There's no one to check you. You know, when you come to church, there's some faces that if you make them the ash, people will come think, oh, I went into one of these supermarkets, and then this guy was just serious and walking behind me. I said, Can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> there are people that are paid to do that. Allow the grace of God to function. Be so pleasant. Let people enjoy your presence. Uh, when we meet, it must be a, a, a pleasant gathering. When we are as brothers together, let it be so sweet. Hallelujah. Oh, loveliness, graciousness, this pleasant presence of joy. I, I pray for joy in your life. Some of us, you are too serious. But I mean, you, you get to heaven and discover that we are supposed to be smiling a lot. <laughs> because the, the Bible says, even about Jesus Christ, he, and he was anointed with joy above his fellow brethren. And the Bible says, he lives in us. This one who was anointed with joy. And, you know, and actually I saw a scientific research that says, you know, people that smile a lot tend to live longer. And people that are too serious tend to have more wrinkles faster. <laughs> Help your face. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> are you with me? Yeah, it, it takes, in fact, in that research they were saying, it takes more muscles to be serious than it takes to be happy. So you are wasting too much energy in being serious. Unless if you want to lose weight, then you have to be serious. So you spend more energy. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't take a lot. Smile and be happy. Allow the grace of God. Just know that, look, there is something about God that lives in me. Amen? Make, make it easy for people to be around you. There are these things that we were taught even when we were growing up. Uh, that, you know, like for example, if you're a pastor, oh, you must be serious because you don't want people to be so accustomed to you. Sometimes, you know, you're just thinking, no. So when will I express myself and be happy? But I have to be, every time I go to be somebody else. No. 
you know, when I read the scripture that says, and God laughs, I said, ah, my daddy laughs. So if my daddy can laugh, I can laugh also. And we said also it is the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor of God, grace, in this sense, is an attitude of God. Now, when we're talking about the unmerited favor of God, we are saying it's something that you did not fight for. It's not something you worked for. Let me give you a good illustration. I've got one of my, I'm not mentioning my name because my man knows that. I've got one of my relatives in Zimbabwe. And then we say to them, listen, you guys, if you're in any challenging situation, let us know. We may send you some money. And so they did phone and said, oh, we need this wife phone, husband phone. And they decided to send them some money before Christmas. And so the lady went and took a portion. I did send the guy. The guy got the number. And when he discovered that his wife had gone to collect whatever the amount that had been sent, oh, he sat on it. But you know what happens with the... Uh, with Western Union, they normally send you a text to say money has been collected. So Christmas came, Christmas passed, the money has not been collected. So I, I found this relative of ours and I said, I didn't send you some money. Did you see the money? Said, oh, no, 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 I, I gave uh, that number again to my wife. I said, no, but it was not in your wife's name, it was in your name. I was, oh, in fact, he had actually text to say, so you had promised you wouldn't send me something, you have not sent me anything. I said, no, 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 I just sent you something. Said, what do you mean? I said, yes, I sent you something and I sent you the number. I said, no, I gave it to my wife. I said, no, your wife had her own allocation. And she picked up. I said, are you sure that is what happened? I said, go and check. And then, so here's the situation. Christmas came and these guys were starving. They didn't have what <laughs> They didn't have what they wanted. The money was sitting at Western Union, and they were here miserable when other people were having all this, and they were just thinking, "Oh, I wish if our brothers overseas had sent us some money." But money was sitting at Western Union, nobody collecting it. Then after all the Christmas festivities and the New Year beginning, they when they discovered that money was sitting there waiting for them to come. Why am I saying this stuff? Sometimes we have got to remember a few things about this story. Number one, I said it was my own volition to give them. I said, you know, when you have got a problem, let me know. Or if you need money, let me know. I'll give you the money. I determined in my heart what I wanted to give them. And after giving what I wanted to give them, which was not something that they deserved. No, they didn't deserve it. They are just out of my good heart. And I want to give them so that they can enjoy life and have a wonderful Christmas. And I gave them the cord for them to go and collect. They had the cord, they had this, the number, but they never want to collect it. And so they were going without. Maybe others were feasting and this and that. And they were just saying, oh, I wish somebody had remembered me. But yet, there was something in their name that was waiting to be collected. Now this is how, I want you to understand how grace in this particular function. 
There are things that God has already divinely provided in your name. That have got your name on. That are actually supposed to be to help you to enjoy life while you are here on earth. They're there in your name. But now, I understood I, I this one thinking that, well, if at all they have sent my wife, it means whatever they would have said, it's finished. <laughs> and you know, there are people that are here that are happy to hear Jacob uh, is make a testimony. Oh, the Lord has done this. And they say, oh, yes. At least God is doing it for the Jacobists. But never think of themselves as the ones that God is about to minister. And now, this person, not only I gave an access number in their name, why they thought it would be for somebody else, I don't know. Or maybe, I, I didn't ask them, maybe he was uh, jealous of his wife and said, oh, you know, you, you have to share. But I know they didn't do that. But I'm just saying, sometimes we have these things that God has freely provided. But because we only need to access them through the word that God has spoken regarding that situation. Like, for example, the deaconess was talking about the Lord has provided healing. That's what God has done. So it's not about whether I mean I have fasted and prayed or I have been speaking in tongues or no, I just have got to go and say, God, this is what you promised, and this is the access word that you say, if I believe you will do it in Jesus' name. Last Sunday, the deacon was speaking about the name Jesus as the access key to whatever God has provided. But so there are many of us that are going without simply because they don't think maybe, maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe God is not happy with me. Or maybe, and yet, God has already provided for whatever you need. Amen? So I'm saying, this unmerited favor of God is where God has divinely provided. Not because you deserved it. You did not deserve it. But God found it in his heart to do it for his children. And it is God. Your name is on it. Everybody's name is there. Hallelujah. What does the Bible say on that one? And great grace was upon them what? Oh. So everybody, that great grace was upon them. Others were tapping into the grace. Others were just feeling good. Ah, it's good. This is good. The presence, the grace of God is here. But others were getting into what the great grace was ready to provide. Amen? So we have got this unmerited favor. And imagine if you were Abraham. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says to Abraham, you know, to Abraham, leave your father, your father's house, your country, your people, and go to a country I'm going to show you, and I'll make you a great nation. But the guy has not done anything. God just favored him. And I'm going to use you to be a father of many nations. Don't tell me that uh, Abraham had been in prayer band and I mean he'd been casting out devils. No, 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 there's nothing like that. He was just remaining faithful before God and God favored him. And I want you to know the more you remain faithful before God, the more the grace of God begins to operate in your life. Amen? So we have got this unmerited favor of God. So, we'll, as I said, I just want to make a recap so that. When we get into the different aspects of this grace, 
So you put people like Abraham, we know that people like David, the Bible says, you know, uh, in Second Samuel, when David had been told by God that I am going to make your house. In Second Samuel 23, I think. says, I will make your house uh, to be a house of kingship forever. And the Bible says in Second Samuel 23, and David went and sat before the Lord, and he said, Lord, is this the way you deal with all men? Do you do this for everyone? Is it? Was it that? What have you found in me? I have done all this. All I'm saying is that this unmerited favor of God is that favor that God endows upon your life. That it is probably no precedent. When God does it for you, maybe there's no one you can compare to. There's no one that has ever been done like that, maybe in your tribe, in your family, but because God loves you, he can just unleash this unmerited favor upon your life. But I need to know that there is favor of God upon my life. I have to go before the Lord and claim what God has already provided, that Lord, it's not about what I'm working for, it's what you've already provided. As I said, do you know that there are some of us who believe only God can work in certain areas, but not in other parts. Yeah, God can bless me when it comes that I'm, I'm suffering from a headache or that. But when it comes to blessing me in my financial area, oh, no, no, that's too hard for God. There are people who operate like that. And remember, when it's the unmerited favor of God, it's not that you worked for it. Because if it is by work, that is when you go into Ephesians 2, verse uh, uh, 4 and verse 8, where it says, uh, it is the gift of God, not by works that any man could boast. Because you end up thinking, oh, because I work, this is my salary. But this is what God has endowed upon you because you are just a believer. You are a child of God, and God gives you. That's why even the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know that the, the Holy Spirit, it's a gift. There's nothing that you went to and say, Lord, you know, I want to do it, you know, I have now done 10 days of fasting, so you have to let down the Holy Ghost now. I just gave you. Really? That's what the Bible says, freely we receive, so freely we must give. So God's grace abundantly provides without us having to have done anything. But that doesn't necessarily mean now we don't have to do anything, we're going to sit back. If God has provided, He has given us the keys, the access, eh, like this eh, relative of mine, go to the Western Union and say, Hey, I got into my dad, or I got into my relative, there's something that I was deposited in my name. Lord, I've come. You say, according to your word, if we come, we will believe, this is what you're going to do. Well, thank you that it is provided for my children, it's provided for my life, it's provided for my business. It's provided for my health. It's provided because God is freely provided. So we've got the unmerited favor of God that we deal with. And not only the unmerited favor of God, but also, yeah, um, the other thing that I just want to bring to your attention is we spoke about this grace of God as what I call yeah, the endowment for an office. The endowment for an office. Uh, that is the grace that God puts upon us to be able to function in certain positions in life. 
For example, besides the anointing of God resting upon my life, do you know that? Maybe all of us probably would have been in the same category. Besides that, that somebody or uh, God now endowed me with the anointing to become a pastor. I, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. But God, uh, through his grace, endowed me with that which made me able to function in the office of a pastor. Now, in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus says, when he's talking about receiving each other, he says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, there is an office that when somebody goes in there, because of the office that they are in, there is a corresponding grace that makes them be able to function in that office. For example, none of us were born prophets. How many of you were born except maybe John the Baptist? I hear the Bible says he was filled by the Holy Ghost when he was in, the, in his mother's tongue. In his mother's tummy. So maybe, maybe when he was born, you know, John would have, if it was this day, could have just been born speaking in touching. But the baby is born instead of crying, he would have gone, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on joke. But I'm just saying, the Bible says he was filled by the Holy Spirit while he was in his mom, mom's uh, belly. I'm, I'm just saying, none of us were born with it. But the moment you move into a particular office, there is a corresponding grace that enables you. That's why I all want to urge all of you that there is nothing in the house of God that you should not be able to try. Because there is a corresponding grace for you to be able to function in that office. Amen? Yeah. It's not about you. It's about the grace that is supposed to be in the office. So the moment I lay my hands on this man and I say from today you are the pastor or you are the minister or you are this and that, that anointing to place him in the office allows the grace for that particular office to begin to function in their life. Remember Ephesians 4 verse 7? Ephesians 4 verse 7, quick. Ephesians 4 verse 7 on that one. Now the Bible says in there, but to each one of you, of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then it goes on to verse 8 up to verse 11. It goes on to say, in the particular text we are dealing with, Ephesians 4, says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he descended and uh, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So when he gave gifts to men, now this is he who ascended. Now this he who ascended, what does it mean? But that he also uh, descended. He first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Then you notice it says that in verse 11, it goes on to say, and he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers you know, for the building up of the church. The word goes on verse 12, it talks about the building up or for the 
equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice that he talks about that grace was given so that it actually made it possible for some to become prophets, some to become evangelists, some to become teachers, and so that these people might be equipped so that they can do the work of ministry. So I'm just saying the grace of God allows us to be in a place where we are equipped to do the work of ministry, which we would have otherwise not been able to do if it was not for the grace of God. Amen? So you cannot, I don't know if you who were born casting out devils. Say, you know, when I was born, I just went out there and I just began to cast out devils and the devils had me. How many of you were saying, I just, I just discovered someone when I was coming from the gym so I can cast out devils. Until you got saved, until the Spirit of God began to live in you, then you were able to do all these things. What I'm saying is there's grace for the particular office to function. And also, in regard to that, also we've got this grace we spoke about that provides for bounty, abundance, the grace of God, which God gives so that there is an abundance, an increase in worldly or in our goods. And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We're just making some, some recaps so that when we go on to the other part. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, 9, verse 8, sorry. And also, 8, 8, 8 19. Okay, let's do this one. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. This grace toward you. So God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always. Tell somebody always. 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 Not sometime, but always. always. Tell somebody not sometime, but always. 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 I said the heat again. Say always. 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 Having all sufficiency. Oh, uh, before you go. Uh, Having all sufficiency, always having all sufficiency in all things. Sufficiency in what? All things. <laughs> this has got nothing to do with what you did, but He has made His grace available so that you have got sufficiency in all things. To do with your health, God has provided. To do with your children, God has provided. Don't tell me God's surprised when you got a, when you got a baby. And then God's surprised. Ah, she has got a baby now. So what shall we do? No, 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 no. God already knew even before you got pregnant. Even before you got married. The day you will be married, even God knows the kind of children you have. Even if you walk out of the will of God and do something else, God knows that the kind of children you have is this one and that. So, you know, some of us, I remember talking to somebody who thought, oh, well, my mom was just having some fun, and then all of a sudden she discovered she was pregnant. She doesn't even know who the, the, the dad is. That doesn't make a difference as far as heaven is concerned. It's only a difference here. Because people ask you, what is good your father? Do you know your dad? You don't know your dad? Oh, okay. And you feel guilty about it. No, heaven knows about you. You're not an accident as far as heaven is concerned. You're only an accident to your mom, but not to heaven. And I know some people who were even using contraceptives and they were shocked, they were pregnant. I said, what? Oh, 
But I was using all this, I was using, and you still had a baby. And there are some that are looking for children that won't help them. So I want you to know that by the grace of God, having all sufficiency in all things. So whether it is to do with your spiritual work with God, God has provided for you to walk well with God. So that you don't fall and get trapped by the sin. God has provided the grace to run away from sin. Hello? Yes. The grace to walk away from sin is there. I was reading an article about one uh, guy who was talking about that sin's enticement. You remember in James? When a man is drawn away by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is conceived, it brings forth death. So there is a point where even the Spirit of God in you says, No, 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 no. Don't go on. Don't go on. And you just say, Ah, oh, well, I'll have some fun now. Uh, and you continue, you continue until you cross the line. But the grace is there to walk away. So, this grace, sufficiency in all things. I am saying there is grace for every occasion, there is grace for every situation, there is grace for every everything that is going on in your life, even at your workplace. There are people that you may not be able to stand. Um, of course, here, yeah, you guys work with good guys because I used to work with some guys that, you know, I had to pray before I leave. <laughs> Lord, help me. I need more of your grace today. Get into the office. Oh, good morning. Just walk past your leg. I said, Good morning. <laughs> Some of them, you know, they pass by you like they are passing through a, a brick. Like they are passing a chair. Yeah, and do it. Lord, I need more of your grace. You have to join some of those people in the workplace that say, Oh, I know he's like this. I know this. We want to trap him. No, 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 don't do that. Lord, I want more of your grace. When they do that, they smile. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's your problem, but I'm okay. Because the grace of God is upon your life. Do you know what? The moment you want to respond, you have spoiled your day. Because that is, it's like what they've been waiting for. And this and that. And they're picking up and down. Oh, I just smile. God, thank you for your grace. Oh, uh, 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 I work with people that I. You know, when I saw the grace of God working around me, and uh, I said, God, you're a good God. You're really a good God. It gets to a point where the Bible says, you know, when uh, and God's grace is upon your life, even your enemies they begin to work for you. They begin to work for you. And they begin to say, you know what? You're the only good guy here. <laughs> you at least see some good. Thank God. The grace of God begins to infuse. And in some places, do you know that all people that we work with, that we meet at school and wherever it is, people are coming from different backgrounds. And some people are actually under a lot of stress. They are going through many, many challenges. 
But hey, the Bible says, casting all your cares upon him. So if you are a Christian, cast your cares upon Christ Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he cares. In fact, the Bible, when it says, casting all your cares, that word, that means cares. It is everything that I care about. The things that I'm so concerned about. Casting all your cares upon him. It doesn't mean don't act about it, but cast your cares, your worries about it. It's grace for you to function. Oh, some of you are bosses. You are bosses in your workplace. If you are not very careful, you will function in the flesh. Because there are people that you know that this one is a real crook. This one. A real crook. I don't know about you. I used to work and I had three different shifts for about 400 people. Imagine you're going two to ten, six to two, two to ten, ten to six. Twenty-four hours around the clock, you've got shifts that are going on. And there are some guys that have got this disease we call skybalitis. They know how to sky. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to sky. They have got all the good reasons. I mean, they 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 know how to make excuses. <laughs> to a point where you say, you ask them a question. I mean, you can tell that they are lying, but there's no way of killing them now. <laughs> it becomes worse for the boss who's demanding results. And you've got team members that are just skiving and you know that kind, and you're thinking. Because the rule at the work was saying, three strikes, chuck them out, fire them. I know this guy has got a family, and if I, if I fire him, that's the end of the story. We know that his children, his wife, and in some cases, like in my case, some of the people will be coming to my church. So I'm the pastor in that church. So you're going to fire the husband and then pray for him at church to get another job. <laughs> so you're in this country, you're thinking, man, in this condition. But thank God for the grace of God. Sometimes God gives you the grace to say, Lord, I need grace to speak into the spirit of the I know that it is not going into his heart. It is not going into his brain. I need to speak into his spirit. And sometimes you speak with him. You say, why do you do that? I know. And this and that. I don't know. Don't do that. The people change. That you may have sufficiency in all things. And that last part, please, of uh, sufficiency in all things, that in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Not enough. What does the Bible say? I'll say it loudly. Every good, not just work, good. For every good work. In other words, God knows that you must be doing some good here. And God is provided. Whether it is in financial terms, that's why I still uh, I, I don't believe in poverty. I was at uh, one of the places where I was, and uh, the ministers take a vow of poverty. I said, no, I am not going to take a vow of poverty. No ways. I know. <laughs> I mean, God is all sufficiency for every good work. So if I'm going to do good work, it doesn't mean I have got to be poor. Yes. Because God has provided abundantly. Amen. So why should I be poor in order to do good work? You know, sometimes, uh, I know some of these people that have, you know, gone with a shoe that is torn. Imagine if you see somebody who's in rags and they're coming to your house and they want to tell you that God can bless. <laughs> I mean, you just look at their clothes and say, oh, yeah. 
I don't want the blessing of your God. <laughs> it's very true. You can't tell me that your God does the things that you cannot display. That's why God is providing in abundance for every good work. So in other words, if it means to say, I'm supposed to be, whether it is that, the way I'm going to be preaching, God has provided. What it is to do with me being a father in the house or a father to my children, God has provided. Some of you are single parents. The fact that you are single does not mean to say God has not provided for you to do a good work. Still there. There is grace for you to do a good work. An excellent job. In some cases, I have listed, I've looked at some families where a father that is there is actually more useless than a father who's not there. I've seen some people that are singles that raised excellent children. And then there were some fathers that really were absolutely hopeless. They were just, I mean, they would just be drinking from pub to pub. They don't even know whether the children have done homework. They just come in to sleep and go back. And then they would just tell bearing machines. All the next thing is that you hear the wife is pregnant and doing nothing. I'm just saying there is grace available for you. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Remember, God, there is abundant grace for me to do a good work. If it is at your place, listen, some of us, we are working under the unbelievers. We are the only testimony that they have. We are the only message that is living that they have. So there is grace on you to do a good work. So that when they look at you, they say, wow. What, what is it that you, what is it about you? And you say, I know, Sister, I believe I've got a better supervisor in heaven. I don't need to, I know this, thank God for your supervision. But I'm not just going to be submitting myself to this kind of supervision. I've got a greater supervisor from above. That's why I work so hard, whether there is anybody watching me or not watching me. I don't have to wait. If you are a Christian, that people have got to chase you up and say, oh, you know, why have you not done this? Why have you not done this? You are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. You are doing a big disservice to the body of Christ. You must be the example there because there is abundant grace for you not only to be sufficient, but also that you be having abundance to do any good work, every good work. So there is the grace for you. So I'm just saying, as believers in our workplaces, what are the statements? What are the things that people say about us? Because you've got all this sufficiency to do good. Not just do work. I know that there are people that are saying, look, I'm in here because of the money. I don't like the job. So pray for more grace. Because if it is meeting your need, you must also be able to allow the grace of God to be a ministry in that place until you find the right job that you want. Amen? Okay. The Lord bless you. All sufficient for every good work. And I'm just looking at it and thinking, is there any area of my life that, Lord, you have not provided enough? No, God has provided. God has provided more than enough for every good work. So we must be seeing good in Christian lives. And, and do you know what? The world we live in, 
has gone away from that, that age where people were just uh, talking about Christianity in the church and the like. People want to see people who can make a difference in their lives where they are. It's not about coming to the church. It's about seeing a living testimony of faithfulness in your workplace. They trust you to become the manager. You must be able to do what you are paid to do. Okay, let me help some of us. None of them are here at this moment. When the Lord brings them, you remind them, okay? If you work in a place where you've got the opportunity to sleep, you're on your own, unless it is part of your contract, don't take advantage. Hello? No, don't take advantage. What do you see me? Ah, I can go and hide. And one time I was in hospital, I told you, this lady actually pulled the buzzer off so that she can sleep. Here I am about to die, and the buzzer has been pulled off. Press, 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 press. How about you responding? In the hours that and she's been paid. Never do that if you are a Christian. I do that because God has given you the grace. So when you are there, work knowing that I am a supervisor from above. Remember, the Bible says, you know, all these works shall be tried. Not only the works that we did for the kingdom of God, but that we did as a testimony of our faithfulness to God. But we checked on that day. God will say, Ah, my Lord, my son. Is this what you were doing as a testimony of being a Christian? Even if you are the one who handles money, for example, I work with people in the old people's homes, where some of those old people don't even know how much is it. Some of them have dementia and the like, and they are putting their money around. Don't stuff it in your pocket. It's not yours. Not yours. Yes. And you find they come with boxes of jewelry. And we, all the jewelry is gone. How is it possible that, you know, we must be the testimony that, sister, don't do that. Brother, don't do that. That's not right. Be a good testimony wherever you are because God has given you enough grace that in all things you may have all sufficiency and have abundance to do very good work. Every good work. Amen? Parents, we are raising children. I know some of us, we have got children that I call strong-willed children. Hello? <laughs> there are some we call strong-willed children. There are some that are very gentle. But you don't need to tell them something. I remember when Josh was young, many people didn't even know that we were a baby at all. He didn't cry. Unless somebody, if you hear Josh crying, you know something has happened. And people say, you have a baby here. We've never had a baby cry. I just keep playing on his own. How could that? Children, that is really a big challenge. They've got to pray for more grace. Don't use the unorthodox means that the world is using. I know some people that, you know, give us anything under the because under the feet, if you are a dark heart like mine, nobody will see under the feet that you know the challenge is fine. 
And now, you know, sometimes I, because, for example, we do a, a, a child mind with my mind. Children are very different. There are some that can actually stretch you. We have to continue to pay God thank you for grace. This child was brought here because this is the only environment that will survive without being abused. Because if they go elsewhere, with the way they behave, they will be abused more than you would ever dream of. So we, we, we consciously do that. Pray for more grace. God give us the grace to be able to have all sufficiency that we minister to these children and never be heartbroken by ministering. And that's the desire of our hearts. Because we know there are places where children, when you take that, they scream. They can't sit because they know the lady waiting at the gate is saying, okay, today you are here. You will be here. <laughs> 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 when one of our friends that we're staying with, I mean, the child was crying. She cried. She climbed onto Mama's feet, and she refused to go. You know, it's like I said, and she could not go. She could not until Mama said, "Okay, I'll take care of her." And then she decided to take care of the child. And there are people out there that really don't have the same heart that you have. But I'm just saying, pray for more grace. More grace, even that your children, God will give you the grace even to know where to place your children. I'm not saying bring your children, God, uh, our child, mind you. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God has got, has provided everything to make sure that everything will work in the right place. Some of us, we just find, listen, I know it's good. I know it's good to just check and say, oh, statistics, statistics, statistics. After statistics, pray. I know this is what the statistics say. But pray. Because the statistics are only an indication it does not speak about the individuals that your children will be under. Thank God for sufficient grace. We'll be able to do a good work. Some of us, I want you to know that even, I was talking about the strong-willed children. Some of our children are really a tough nut. They don't, I mean, you have to say it a thousand times before they do. But I need more grace. I need more people. You know, it's a continuous way of, of helping this child. I was threatened. Of course. Sometimes you do. But um, pray for more of the grace of God to do a good work. Because you know what? There is a point where children know that parenting does not work. And they get to that age. They know that. And even if you threaten them, they'll look you in the eyes and say, You know you can't do anything. <laughs> I know where 999 is. I know where 999 is. I know the numbers. Before we get there, pray for more grace. So that we can actually do a good work. So that we don't have to do that. We don't have to, I mean, we don't have to crank up some styles and some, some stuff. But for those of you that have got very nice children, they just obey everything. Some of us, we have to go through more prayer than others, more fasting than others, more casting and more, more binding and more loosening. And you think, oh, I'm casting out the devil, God, then I'm praying for more grace to be able to deal with the situation in the house. Or else you lose, I mean, you lose your joy. I'm just saying, 
Yes, even in the midst of our, you know, sometimes when children are developing, there are stages where even that testosterone begins to kick in, and they are also trying to learn themselves. They just don't know what they're doing. Sometimes they're doing some silly things. It's not inherent in them. Remember when they were the sweet little ones. So there must be something that has changed. So don't always just look through this prison of where they are now. Because they might be going through a season where things are changing. So they don't know, even themselves, they don't know what is going on. They are trying to learn themselves. And you are just spanking them and just oh, saying all this, this rude stuff. Stop it. Don't. Remember, you have not been a dad at that age or a mom at that age. I'm learning to have a child who's 27, 28. I'm, I'm learning. For the first time, I've never been there. Yeah, she'll be turning 28. Okay. So, I've never had a, to have the, the chance and the privilege to have a 28 old. So, I have got to learn. Some of the things, when he says, says, no, 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 dad. Remember, I'm not a child. <laughs> 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 I'm just <laughs> so now uh, I can't use any of those threatening language. I've got to pray for precise prophetic words. Uh, when I speak, I speak like a prophet. I say to her, listen, you are not just you are not just listening to a, to a dad. You are listening to somebody who fears God. So I'm speaking to you because I also hear from God. So that was a different game. So it's no longer. It's no longer. I'll take it to Zimbabwe. Oh, take me to Zimbabwe. No longer that. That's the way it went out. It's more grace. Abundant grace. If you tell her now, it says, I'm not going to go on your own. I'm not doing that. But God has given us abundant grace to be able to do a good work. So I know that there is, I, I, I'm saying because I understand. I'm like, like, like if I'm a father like you, some of you. Some of you are not yet fathers. So when you see some of those children doing some stuff, you say, what kind of a dad is that? Because you haven't got one. When you have one, you will learn. That's when you pray more prayers. You say, brother, can you pray for me? And God will give you great grace to be able to do a good work. I'm talking about this, you know, when God begins to release this abundant grace, not only to meet my physical, spiritual, material needs, but also to do a good work in every area of my life. Even in your workplace, where you have been given an assignment, there is great grace for you to do an exceptional job. Right. And, and there are these people that Always look down upon themselves. Oh, you know, I don't think I'm really, I'm, I don't think I'm really, I don't know. Listen, there's grace to help you. Amen. Don't always despise yourself. Don't always look down upon yourself and think, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can, you can, you can, you can. Amen. Grace for doing good work. So, whilst they give you the opportunity, allow that grace to do something. Be somebody who, when you leave that place, they will miss you. Maybe somebody that says, oh, good riddance. Thank God. Oh, we were just wondering, when are you going to leave this place? Thank God. And the people have got to bang their drums when you left the, the table. Oh, thank God she's left the company. 
mustn't be like that. Not for the children of God. I'm praying for more grace in your area. And if you are the supervisor, let everybody want to run to your department. And I'm talking the things that I know. When I was in my, my work environment, I'm talking about there was a time, you know, uh, it was very interesting because the company, the big company would have some training programs for some, you know, godly reason that I can see. The company would just choose names and people at random. I asked my, my wife, and it so happened that probably out of a team of about 10 people that we wanted, seven were from my department. Mm. And you know, people were up in arms. How is it that, oh, this guy, he's got this team. I said, I'm not the one who chooses people. Well, I didn't choose them. How about, how about, well, this is unfair. So the first team we went. The second team. Yeah, some of them were infected. Of those people, there were, I think about six of them were from the church. They were church members. Which I said, let's pray. Make, go and make a difference in your workplace. And so when people wanted people, they were choosing those. And others would say, oh, this is unfair. I mean, I am not God. I am not choosing them. You, God chose them for you. I'm just saying, listen, there is grace for you to do a good work. At school, even if you are made in class knowledge. You know, there are some, some of you guys at school there. Don't be known for being naughty. Hello, students, are there any students? Lift your hands, students. Lift them. Ah, no, that's not lifting hands. I want it like this. Yes. And I pray for more grace upon you guys. I pray for more grace that wherever you are, you will be a good testimony wherever you are. God gave you the grace to make a difference. Now, when others are putting drawing pins for the teacher when she sits on the table, don't do it. Don't be part of that. Because there are a lot of children that when the teacher is facing the, the board, they throw a piece of paper and look like they don't know about it. Don't be part of that. You are supposed to do a good work. Don't torment the teachers. They are only doing a good job. They are doing actually for you. So you must remember, you are not there to prove a point. You are there to learn. Don't look like I'm the toughest guy here. You will soon be leaving. Four years, three years, you are out of that place. <laughs> And then you will face the tough world where you will have to really, really tough it out. Because when they, when you're out there, uh, you will have to be bothering, Mom, I need money. Uh, why can't you go to work? You did not learn when others were learning. Do a good work at school. That's where you're supposed to be. Amen? Yeah. Somebody do a good work. Do a good work. Because the grace is available. The grace is available. You must do a good work. Let's stand.